Welcome. You've officially tuned in to Woman to Woman Podcast. That's Woman, the number two woman. This platform was created to motivate, uplift, and encourage women. And in this audio space, we will have weekly impactful conversations all about women. We will speak of our trials and our struggles, but most importantly, we will highlight our triumphs and our victories. So join me. Let's journey together as we journey towards wellness, self-love, spirituality, cultivating dreams, transforming our lives fiercely to be that empowered, powerful, purposeful woman we were created to be. I'm your host, Denise Hinkson-Lawrence, and I'm excited that we will grow together spiritually, financially, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Most importantly, we will definitely be restored and we will be transformed. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Women to Women podcast. That's Women, the number two woman. I'm your host, Denise Hanks-Lawrence, and I'm really excited that you've decided to take this journey with me towards wellness. So, if this is your first time listening, welcome. Thank you. And please, at some point, take time to catch up on all our previous episodes, will you? Now, if you are a W2WMVRLA, that's Most Valuable Regular Listening Audience, I salute you. You keep coming back week after week, and I want you to know that your support It's greatly appreciated. Now, special recognition and mention to the international audience, Germany, Canada, UK. You're in the house and you make me feel special. Putting me on the map. Hey, I want to say thank you. And please know that your continued support, it means a great deal. So now, time for my disclaimer. I am not a therapist or a counselor. So in these conversations, the comments, views, and opinions expressed on this podcast are mine and should not be taken or take place of you engaging in a professional relationship with a licensed mental practitioner. Okay, ladies, with that said, we'll be right back into our episode. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome back to Women to Women podcast. I'm your host again, Denise Hankson Lawrence, and I have exciting news once again. We have with us today a special guest. She is a licensed initial uh, clinical social worker uh, certified in yin yoga and trauma. And I'm here to introduce to you Tanisha Cohen Kane. Tanisha, why don't you say hello to our people? today and talk a little bit more about yourself and what is it that you do. Hello, Denise, and hello, everyone else. Again, my name is Tonisha Cohen-King. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I provide therapeutic services to individuals and uh, families who have chronic persistent mental illness. I provide that in a hospital setting, and I also work in a private practice setting where I provide therapy to individuals and couples as well. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to have you on board with everything that's going on in our country today. You know, finding ourselves in COVID, I find a lot of people are going through different forms of trauma, PTSDs, as we see display even with celebrities um, in the media and so on. And it's so important to know that 
you know, there's so many therapists available. There's so many different form and methods. And I'm glad that you're operating in that field. And you serve in the Connecticut area, specifically which towns? Yes, I am um, also certified in trauma and oh. trauma-informed yoga. And okay. I operate in that a lot because, as you just said, people experience so much trauma in so many different areas of our lives. And some of us don't even recognize it as trauma. Um, but I speak to that a lot in people's lives. A lot of times we identify it as stress or just something that we're going through and don't even realize that it has caused a traumatic event in our lives. And that's true because um, trauma itself is basically emotional and psychological, right? So it's stress, de-stress. It's so many different aspects. And you're right. Sometimes we don't recognize it. Not at all. And trauma basically is the effects of experience in a terrifying or harsh or dangerous situation. Trauma, you know, it causes damage to the mind as a result of the distressing event. But again, most people don't identify it as trauma. They almost normalize the experience and just continue to go throughout their lives. But as you and I will get into, it actually causes some negative effects in their lives, including their relationships um, within themselves. But again, we don't even recognize it or identify it as trauma, I should say. Wow. What do you think are some of the reasons why we don't recognize certain things as trauma? Why we just take it as, do you think it has anything to do with um, just that we just don't see it at all? We don't, or is it cultural? Is it, is it, what, what is it? You think? I'm glad we, you brought it up. So you said culture and you started to say religion. So yes. <laughs> a lot of times, Denise, right? Um, I'll just take the African-American community and some of the things that we see in our communities and what has become normal. Let's just take the violence in some of the communities, right? And so I Uh often talk about how in more affluent communities, you know, um, children will maybe die in car accidents or by suicide. And you'll hear it and they'll automatically say, and we have grief counselors at the school available for people to talk to. We have people in the more urban areas, right? The more poverty stricken areas that may witness homicide, that may also witness suicide. We never hear there's grief counselors at the school. Come on. Yeah, you know, we just have to walk past those scenes. We just have to just, you know, carry on the school. And no one's there to talk to us about it. It, beca- it became normalized, right? Let's talk about the violence within homes, right? Domestic violence, substance abuse. We normalize it, but it's traumatic. We don't know what people either going to work or going to school, what they came out of in their homes when they walked in in the morning. We don't know, but we don't okay. take the time to identify it or to even recognize it. And then we expect people just to go throughout their day. So if we don't provide space uh. for people to talk about their stress or their pain, they start to internalize it. And then they experience the effects of trauma. But wow. there's never usually language for it, right? Uh, right? People don't feel safe enough to say that traumatized me. 
And we have to recognize that trauma, right? One incident may be traumatic for one person. It may not be traumatic for the next person. So do I feel safe enough or confident, confident enough to say that was traumatizing to me where the person next to me may say that was nothing. It was normal. So sometimes, again, we don't give people space to show up like that to say this was really a big deal for me. Wow. So education is a key thing, too, because you're right. If your experience, your traumatic experience, whatever it is that you went through and you don't feel comfortable enough to share to me, it's because maybe when I see it, I just say, oh, get over it. You'll be fine. Oh, it will pass. Don't get through it. Oh, everybody dies. Everybody hears gunshot. And we just normalize it. Like you say, the language and the, the, the space for it is not created and, and the person who's going through it then have to deal with it over and over again because I have no one to really share it with. I have no safe space. I'm going to be criticized or critiqued for it. And my incident is going to be belittled in a sense, right? Yes. And that is so, that is so powerful what you just said because, you know, as a therapist, right, one of my responsibilities is to model hope for people, Right. that no matter what you've been through, you can overcome this. However, I have to be careful. While modeling hope, I still have to validate their experiences. Uh. When people's experiences are not validated, their voice is then stripped away, right? They no longer have a space to show up authentically to speak about their experience and how it really impacted them. Again, they're expected just to get on. You spoke earlier, you mentioned about COVID, right? Yeah, in everything we're going through. Just think about it now, how people aren't really allowed to grieve in a normal fashion. Ooh, yeah. You know, we have some people who have lost loved ones. I have um, a couple of people I know that lost their moms to COVID. And so, but then I have a, another handful of people that's saying, I'm ready for life to get back to normal and just open up. Well, it'll never be normal uh-huh. for them. But they almost can't express their grief and their trauma behind it because everyone else is ready for the world to open back up. So again, I'm glad you made that point. Yes, yes. Because I myself have a family relative that went through that recently. And the thing is, especially with any culture, but I know within even the black black, uh, culture per se and um, the Caribbeans, we like to, it's a culture of us in a tradition that we surround these individuals who are going through uh, bereavement and we have, you know, days and days of celebration and support with a family where people are visiting the homes and they're cooking, they're playing music, they're playing dominoes they, and people look forward to that, you know, to take away that moment of, okay, sitting and crying all day, but then to laugh and to share some memories and within the COVID season, that's stripped away. The restriction is you can only have but so many there. And then that person who's dealing with that gets to a place like, oh my gosh, I wish I had such and such hair or I wish I could invite this one. And they look for that support and they don't have it. And then how do they deal with that? And like you said, someone else is saying, hey, I'm ready for the world to open up. Let's go spend. Let's go do this. Let's go do this. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's Again, it's, we don't create a space for people to be authentic in their grief, in their trauma. Yeah. So you're saying that transparency, being authentic, is another way of really dealing with trauma. Yes, because let me tell you how, if we don't, what happens. It continues, but it continues in other forms. 
it continues in the relationships that we have with ourselves and with others. And so what happens is when people have experienced traumatic incidents and they don't have any outlet or any space to go with it, it prevents them from having the capacity to think about or to really um, process their current situations. And then that's how patterns are developed, right? So Mm. then you have, you know, what we would consider as something that's just normal or normal conversation, but that may act as a stimuli to other people, right? And so what happens is, you know, someone shows up and they have a history of abuse or they have a history of um, traumatic incidents that has caused them to feel unsafe, right? That has caused them not to trust others. They get in these relationships, whether it's in a romantic relationship, in a friendship, with coworkers, and someone says the wrong thing or they move the wrong way and all of a sudden it's a big blow up. And we usually label these people as angry or um, hard to get along with when they're really Mm. just um, reacting to a stimuli that has triggered something that used to be a traumatic incident for them. A lot of times when people, you know, don't know how to treat themselves or allow um, behaviors in their lives that are unhealthy, it's because they're used to that pattern. They're used to being treated that way and they don't know another way. Due to traumatic incidents, right? But because the healing process hasn't taken place or they haven't even recognized that these incidents were trauma, instead they normalized it, then they continue the pattern, either in relationships that they have with themselves, with um, romantic relationships, or even with their children. And that's how it gets passed down. Wow. I'm glad you hit that about relationships because uh, I was dealing with a series of toxic relationships. And surprisingly, not, well, not surprisingly, but it's, it, I'm realizing now the connection, right? So trauma, um, self-validation, self-worth, self-discovery, as you basically mentioned, and the, the stimuli and the reaction to certain conversations or certain settings, it all relates. Yes. So if someone experienced trauma, then sometimes they often find themselves going into a series of relationships be it romantic be it even spiritual or be it um, workplace environment and they often somehow find themselves in a more toxic environment or toxic relationship right and and how does that affect how does that what does that do when the two connect well the two it's explosive right and again a lot of times the people are labeled misunderstood I should say, because Uh half the time they don't really understand what's going on and why they're feeling this way. And a lot of times it starts with our thought process, right? So again, we talked about stimuli. So as we know, right, you can hear a song, you can smell something and it triggers you. It can Uh take you right back to an experience that you had, right? Good or bad. Good or bad. (laughs) So imagine if it was trauma. And all of a sudden, a song plays and or a smell, somebody smells, you know, 
um, like a certain cologne or a certain perfume and it triggers a thought process or it brings you back to an experience that you had. And now you're standing in front of someone or you're in a romantic relationship with someone and all of a sudden your mood shifts or your response shifts and they're like, what just happened? Oh, I yeah. often tell people who are in these type of relationships, um, you can't be responsible for healing something that you didn't cause. Wow. And a lot of times we're in this say, relationship. Say that, one. say that one again. Say that one again <laughs> for our audience. Say that one again. You can't be responsible for healing something that you didn't cause. Wow. You weren't wow. there. You don't have, you know, a nickel in that quarter, as I like to say. So the person who's going through it they have to understand it so that they can have the language for it and you can support them through it. But a lot of times we take the trauma and we attach it to every other relationship we've had. Mm. I want to go a little further in something else. Talking about attachments, right? Uh There's certain uh attachments that we have, certain attachment styles. And I'm working with a couple of, of my therapy clients about their attachment to things. They have an abundance of things, an excessive amount of things, whether it be clothing, whether it be items in their home and their need for it and their um, their resistance to even letting go of it. When I see that, I know that is filling a space somewhere that is a toxic relationship with things. And so it just doesn't always have to be with people when um, we discuss toxic relationships, whatever is taking the space in the place of that area that needs to be healed, whatever you're filling it with, that's what we need to recognize. That's what we need to look at. What is the meaning of that? Wow. But we say that's just horrible. But, it's but sometimes it doesn't look like hoarding. Sometimes it could be someone and they may have money and they may be able to afford the 10 pocket books. But why do you really need the 10 pocket books? <laughs> come on talk it real but listen we have women listening here they know <laughs> yeah you know we think you know we wear it another thing is um the relationship to being busy to being involved in so many things you know I had to take a look at myself like why was I everywhere but nowhere Girl, listen, stop. You now we're gonna have my one-on-one session publicly right now because that's <laughs> it, okay? So you know, because I'm like, listen, I had to I came to the realization just a couple weeks ago, like, girl, you are so busy at being busy. Like, busy I wasn't at being, being productive. Busy. <laughs> I wasn't productive. Like I get up and I'm like, okay, I gotta do this, and I have a wonderful to-do list. And then at one point I was like, okay, I'm getting rid of my to-do list. I'm going to do by calendar. So what's important? But then every time I attempt to do by calendar, I just put everything on the table and it looks good. I've been passed by the kids, passed by. I look like I'm really like, girl, this is a full-time job. What? Right. You podcast. You have this, you have the that, you have the this, you have the that. And I am busy, but not productive. But not productive. What is going on? What am I feeling? So, yeah, go ahead with my one-on-one. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm so I had to go take ahead. a look at myself and I'm like, you know, as women, especially we were as a badge of honor when we could juggle so many things and we're so busy and we're so, you know, we're involved in this and we're involved with that. 
multitask. Yeah, multitask. And I often tell people, <laughs> what happens when you sit still? When you sit in silence? What comes up for you? Ooh. They don't want their things. To wow. Come up. They don't want to wow. listen. They don't want to hear. They don't want to be still. And the stillness is where the work happens. Wow. Wow. So I, you know, I invite people always sit still. Let me know what comes up for you. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. You just had me sitting still yeah. for a minute there. You know what? But so much, we're going to have to take a break and come right back. I need a moment to sit still. <laughs> for real. I feel you. This is, this is great conversation. This is great info. When we come back, I want you to talk a little bit more now about yin yoga and different strategies and methods and how we deal with everything. As you just lead into it about sitting still, we'll talk a little bit more about that. We'll be right back, ladies, after this quick break. Hey. Do you have a story to share? Do you have something to say? Do you want to talk about tips and strategies? Well, I think you need a podcast. And what better platform is there than to launch with Anchor? Anchor is a one-stop deal. Everything you need to launch a podcast is already built in and provided with Anchor. And better yet, it is totally free. So download the app, the Anchor app. Or visit anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Anchor, your one-stop free deal for podcasts. Visit today, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Welcome back, ladies, to Women to Women. In your conversation are engaging uh oh my goodness this this is so great of a conversation with our wonderful wonderful guest tanisha cohen king a licensed clinical social worker certified in yin yoga and trauma tonisha i am just like oh i i took that moment uh for a break and i really just sat in silence and i questioned myself like wow wow and I'm just in awe and just really impressed with your expertise and everything that you have to offer. And definitely want to invite you back on this platform again to discuss even more. But as we continue today's conversation, uh, just before the break, you talk about, you know, taking that moment and, and you were basically going into strategies and steps and processes that you may use or you have used before with your clients. Um, so I just want you to expand a little bit more on that and then go into this whole concept of yin yoga and how does that help as well? Because that's another part of who you are and what you do and, and your private practice as well. Go ahead, please. Yes. So certainly. So again, um, as I spoke about earlier, that it is my responsibility. I think it's people's responsibility as a whole to model hope for people. Right. right because. Right. The one thing that we do know is that people can get really, really low and trauma and its effects come out in different ways. Um, Depression, anxiety, those are all related to some traumatic experiences that people may have had. One of the things that I do believe in and I practice is positive expectancy. So basically, that's the expectation that a positive meaning can be found in. Tanisha, I'm sorry. I I think we got a little... 
disruption there. Do you mind repeating that again, please? I'm sorry about that. Go ahead. Oh, sure. Sorry. I hope it wasn't on my part. Um, I talked, <laughs> um, talked about positive expectancy, and that's one thing that I right. that I do um, believe in and I do practice. It's basically the expectation that a positive meaning can be found in every situation and that everyone can get better. So even under the harshest conditions, individuals can choose how they respond. They can find meaning even in the worst situations. And that, again, fosters hope into people. Now, some people may say, but what if it's a situation where it's death and the person may not come back? I often ask people and invite people to find the grace in everything. So can we hold on to what the person meant for us or what they gave to us while they were here? So positive expectancy is so important because, again, it fosters a belief or a sense of hope that we can make it through whatever we're going through. So basically, in things that you're doing, you're looking at either a reaction or a how do we react to something or how do we respond? How do we respond to something? Because Mm. what's important to remember is that there is a space. There's a space between what happened and how we respond to it. How do we Mm -hmm. show up in that space? That's what matters. That's what we need to pay attention to. So a space between the stimulus and the response. And in this space, that's where our power lies. Because we have the power to choose our response. And our response lies our growth and our freedom, right? So some people may say, well, you know, that was really hurtful and it triggered me. So I had no other choice to be angry. Well, being angry is not a problem. It's not wrong. It's how we um, show that anger, right? Right. Because I I, I just want to make sure that we know that being angry it's an emotion it's not wrong to be angry and a lot of times that's when we talk about you know we are taught to stuff our feelings right to uh, absolutely right mm-hmm. so don't don't cry or don't feel the anger or don't feel the pain act like everything is okay right. so what i want pull those tears yes <laughs> what i want to explain to you or or remind people is that the body keeps the score there is no the body can't hold it so it comes out in different ways right all the trauma all of the the anger the anxiety the body can't hold that so it comes out in different ways maybe it comes out in our skin breaking out or our body of uh, getting sick it can't hold it it comes out And so we have to learn how to cope in healthy ways where it could come out in healthy ways. We have to release it. I was talking to someone yesterday. He said he's always made to feel ashamed because he cries. He said, but the water has to flow somewhere. I said, you're exactly right. Because the body can't hold it. It keeps the score. So anytime we don't release it in a healthy way, it affects us. Wow. So it all connects. It all, it all connects. So even 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 our skin breaking out of we're wondering why is this going on? What's all of a sudden at this point I'm getting these, I'm getting that. It's connecting to something that's already 
in the body that the body is dealing with and it could be from that ex- that traumatic experience something that we never dealt with or how we respond to yes. it let's, um, wow. let's talk about pain for a moment and I'm going to use this example because this is a platform for women so let's think mm-hmm. about when we had um, our menstruation and we got we got severe cramping right and we got severe pain right and a lot of times right people are just like well we all menstruate and we all get pain so just just deal with it right just get up go to work right take some might all or something and deal with it and a lot of times what do we do with it right when when the pain comes the cramping comes we usually ball up we ball over and we get tighter we get tight yeah think about that yeah is there anywhere for the pain to go we're balling it up we're getting tighter instead of allowing our body to be relaxed and let it pass let it release we ball up and that's what we do with our emotions just think about that think about you if you ever had cramps you ever experienced that you ball over you grab your stomach and you ball over and you tighten up there's nowhere for the pain to go we stop breathing in that moment and we just we just we just clench until it passes but there's a way for us to do that and let it pass in peace. And how is that? What's the way? What's the method? Release and relax. And that's what yoga has helped me um, to do. So, first of all, there's a lot of myths about yoga, right? Like, you know, it's... it's oh, yes. yeah, right? oh, yes, they are. <laughs> we don't even need to get into all of that. <laughs> but what I, what I do want to say is that um, being a yoga... Uh, practitioner and 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 a, a student of it, I have learned that it is one of the ways that leads me more to God. You know, one of the principles of yoga is called one of the limbs of yoga is ahimsa, and it's nonviolence, and it talks about us not being violent towards ourselves or to others, and words and deeds and thoughts. And so, when we think about the pain that we carry in our body, a lot of times it's, it's due to violence that was. Um, put onto us or that we even put onto ourselves whether it be physical whether it be thought so again all of that is carried in our body and so you wanted me to speak more on the yoga and how I use that and what I invite people to do is just just be one with your body and so in those moments of pain or in those moments of cramping whether it's emotional cramping or physical cramping I invite you to use your body and just relax just release whether it's in a pose that's a stretch or whether it's just sitting still like we said earlier just allow yourself to feel it so that you can process it now I often apologize if I'm making it sound so easy and so heavy but I've done my work and so I know it's possible I was going to ask you about that you're making it sound so flow and while you're talking, I'm thinking like stretch. Yes. Uh, how easy is that, or how difficult is that? And then not only to physically stretch and pose, but to also relax the mind, release the mind. Like if I, I've been in. Listen, I, I can be even in a church service, mm-hmm. right? And my mind, just that first five minutes, even during praise and worship. Now I don't know if anybody else is going to be as transparent as I am, but in the five minutes, five first minutes, if you don't catch me in the first five minutes. The next six, seven minutes, my mind is gone. It's wondering. Mm. And what? Even, what? It's wondering because I'm thinking about something at home. Did I do this? Did I not do that? Did, so for me to go to yoga now 
to physically put my body through, especially my body that has not been through much physical, you know, regimen on a daily basis, I'm going to be thinking about the pain of the physical mm. concept, not so much even the traumatic concept. So how would someone like myself work through that who's never done yoga and how would we benefit from it if we you know are not able to take our mind off the physical concept of the stretching or the posing in of itself and then to connect with the the traumatic uh psychological emotional pain to release that how do we get to that place with to deal with both of them? and that's a good that's a good question and it's also you gave a very good example about so a lot of times when I invite people to yoga or to meditation, they go, oh, no, that's just that's too slow. It's too quiet. I, I can't do that again because they, they don't want to be alone <laughs> with their thoughts. But you use an example of being in a church server with, with praise and worship. Now, we know that's not a quiet environment, right? So no. we're singing and the drums are going and the organ is playing and people are worshiping and people are um you know, lamenting to God. So that's not a quiet space, but yet still your mind is wandering, right? Yeah. A lot of times, Denise, we want to be everywhere, but where we are. Why don't you want to be where you are? And so that takes a conscious effort to say, let me bring myself back to where I am. Let me bring myself back to focus on what's in front of me. Let me be present in this moment. Why don't we want to be present in this moment? And so it looks like that. It looks like I'm in this stretch. I may be thinking about my my grocery list, but no, let me bring myself back to this moment. But to answer your question, one of the myths is that you have to be this really thin, in-shaped, flexible person to do yoga. And that's not true either. What I love about the practice is that it invites you to be just where you are and to breathe through it until you you progress more. So it's not about one of the things I always say to people is that yoga teaches us to stay on our mat. One thing about yoga, right? If we're in a yoga class, Denise, and we're in a pose and I look to my left at you, I'm going to fall out my pose. It teaches us. To be on our own mat with our own thoughts, worried about our own selves in that moment so we can get through it. We could we could talk about that on something else. Now that is that is powerful. Mm-hmm. So owning that moment, owning that space, your space, concentrating on you, your thoughts, not and, and remaining focused. Yes. Because the moment you shift your eyes everything falls exactly out. Every, if, your pole falls you fall off the mat your focus and where you are your space and the intent of what you should be focusing on everything exactly falls. and we can relate it to the bible story right walking on the water as soon as his eyes came off he dro- exactly <laughs> wow wow i am like so wow 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 mm-hmm. i mean Listen, I'm never usually lost mm-hmm. in words, <laughs> but you you got me right here. You got me right here because it's so important to own that moment. But you said something I want to elaborate a little bit on about why, what is our fear? What is it that we are so afraid of to own that moment, to stay in that space? And we use the word fear. It's really serious because I think that's what it is. Like sometimes we don't want to deal with the... The, the issue we don't want to deal with that thing that 
whether it causes pain or not we just don't want to stay in that so we tend to let me just divert let me let me run over here and so the mind just keep going because we don't want to deal with that particular right the fear of it because i think right it's the fear of right going back to it but also the fear of now i got something to do have have to do something with this right because let me tell you the space between awareness and behavior change that's the big space right there and people are like no this is either too hard it's too difficult what i often tell people when people say that's hard that's difficult i say it is but it's possible it's possible i like that it's so between awareness and behavior change even if it's difficult at the end of the day it is possible possible. the space between awareness and behavior change is what matters and that's often the space that we don't give credit for we don't give credit for that you know we're aware that we need to lose weight and the behavior change or the goal is to lose 50 pounds but we don't give ourselves credit that we walk two miles a day or that we stopped eating after eight o'clock so the space between the awareness and the behavior change is where the power lies but we don't want I we like don't want to sit there i like yeah. that i like that because that reminds me um i did a, a, a episode once i was talking about celebrate your yes. wins, and i'm glad you said that because that's it that's what's going to get me to that next mm-hmm. level. You know, being aware of it, that space and that awareness, and you say the behavior change. So I noticed that, okay, so I'm aware of this situation. I'm aware of this trauma, yes. right? What are my behavioral changes? And it may not be a lot of things, but that one thing, that one thing. So whether it's, okay, hearing that song or uh, not responding to it in that way or finding a safe space and a, a person that I can talk to or getting some form of therapeutic, whatever, any change that I make towards that awareness is what's going to get me to that ultimate healing. Yes. Wow. Yes. Uh, this is so great. This is so great. <laughs> oh my goodness. I we, we could talk for days upon days, but we're definitely a hundred percent having you back. Um, I want to challenge you to do something for me, uh, Tanisha, is, and that is weekly, I always um, encourage my listeners to what I call a call to action, to take on something from the topic and uh, discussion that's being discussed and conversation, interviews or whatever. And I'm going to leave that space to you today, please. So I'm going to ask you, what is your, what would you do as a call to action this week to those that are listening? Thank you. So what I will say is again as challenging as it is as difficult as it is it's it's possible to get still and in that stillness what I like to call it is the breathing space in the breathing space I invite you to get some stillness right and I'm telling you now some thoughts are going to come up some thoughts some memories some reactions some responses that's going to come up I invite you in that moment or after that's done, I invite you to write down what came up for you. Um, the art of writing has been lost, but it's so cathartic. Like it's, it's so therapeutic for people just to write out their thoughts and, and don't, don't monitor it. Like don't judge what you're writing. Just write whatever came up for you. Wow. Then once you see what came up for you, 
identify what you want to work on. Again, what you became aware of, what the behavior change looked like, but concentrate on the space in between. In that breathing space, I want you not only to think about yourself, I want you to identify anybody that could be in your corner to support you through this. Whether it is reaching out to a therapist, a pastor, a close friend, your spouse, but have someone that could support you through it. Like your accountability partner, but accountability partner for your emotions. Somebody that you can really trust to say, I'm not okay today and this is what I'm going through. This is what came up for me. I invite you to do that. So again, just to recap, sit still, create a breathing space for yourself. Thoughts are going to come up. I want you to write them down. I want you to think about the capacity that you have to handle one or two of those things. Then I invite you to think about who can be your support person through this. Invite them in. And so that they can help you to get through this so that you can get to the other side of healing. Wow. Oh my goodness. I'm so, I was sitting still in my moment here. Um, Wow. Just, this has just been so impactful. Um, I really certainly, certainly appreciate you being on today and ladies, I'm taking on the challenge you take it on as well. So sit still in that space, that breathing space, right? Journal your thoughts. Uh, Think of your capacity to handle and think about your accountability partners for your emotion. So important. Ladies, I pray and hope that I will continue to bring you content like this and representatives and individuals like Miss Tonisha here and Tonisha King, Cohen King. Do you want to just give a moment and just let us know where we can follow you if you have any social platform that you're on or anything like that. Uh, just give us some information that someone needs to uh, reach out to you in like the state of Connecticut where you were in or someone else. Just give us some information if you don't mind. Yes. In regards to me as a therapist, you can find me on Psychology Today. You will find all my information and my um, my bio and what my treatment modalities are and things like that. Um, I'm also on um, Facebook and Instagram with my name, Tonisha Cohen King. I usually try to use that platform to um, enlighten people or just to give some positive feedback. Um, I use it wisely because I do know that it is a... Um, a source that people depend on and I truly truly believe that it should be used for good so that's how people can connect to me and Denise I just want to say thank you for having me on and I'm looking forward to speaking with you again and um, thank you for all the great work that you're doing oh thank you so ladies I'm asking you if you would definitely like to hear more content like this please subscribe download share tell a friend tell a sister tell a girlfriend tell your mom let everyone know that we're here to empower women to women. If you would like to be a monthly uh, supporter of the program, you're welcome to do so as well. You can start as little as a dollar each month so we can continue to bring uh, representatives and people just like Tonisha Cohen King. So again, follow her on social media. That is Facebook and Instagram. 
under her name, Tonisha Cohen King, as well as on Psychology Today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And we'll definitely be talking. Have a good one, ladies. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.